Welcome to Adult Siblings Versus, a podcast where a grown-ass brother and sister put aside their childhood rivalry in order to review nostalgic pieces of pop culture. I'm your co-host, Jason S. Leverett. And I'm your other co-host, Ariel Leverett. Do you hear that, Ariel? Do you hear the drums? Oh, God. The distant sound of drumming. Nah, that was a that was a trap. I there are no drums. No, you're cr- you crazy girl. Ah shit. It's like is this Jumanji or Doctor Who? Am I right? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> are you are are you a kid about to play a board game or are you the master? <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, this week we are looking at Jumanji now. I hate that I have to specify this, but this we are specifically talking about the original Jumanji film, not the two. I mean, I guess they're sequels. Apparently, they take place in the same universe. Oh, oh, they're not. Con- yeah, I suppose. I have not seen the second one. The first one, I don't think connects at all. But the second one apparently uh, has a cameo from the actress who plays the aunt in this movie, reprising her role. Maybe Newworth? Yeah. Oh, wow. But I don't know what that entailed. Hmm. It didn't seem... I looked at, the, I look, I looked at the, the Wikipedia plot description, and I don't think it mentions her. So I don't know if it's just like a kind of a come in, and she's like, oh, wow, this again, which would be very weird because she shouldn't have no knowledge. She's like one of the... She's each one of the characters who would have no knowledge of what happens in this movie. Yeah. Literally only two characters do. Yeah, so, and uh, neither of them, well, one died, uh, but uh, neither of them appear uh, in this film. Um, so I don't know, um, but we're not watching those ga- those movies, but I, although I will talk about them briefly. Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Uh, I I don't love Jumanji, uh, the, the that new Jumanji movie, but um, there's aspects of it that I do like, and I do like... Dwayne Johnson's performance as a as like a fifteen year old trapped in the rock's body. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. Oh gosh! Oh no! <laughs> no, no, talking about the original, as I said. So we're going to talk about that film. We're going to talk about some of the uh, connected media because there is a Jumanji media that I think we spent a lot of time watching mm-hmm. outside of this movie. So I want to talk about that a little bit. But uh, get some housekeeping out the way first. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us how much you loved the two new Jumanji movies and how we're infidels for <laughs> uh, not being on the Kevin Hart train, <laughs> you can email us at adultsiblingsversus at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at adultversus. Uh, we are on Instagram at adultsiblingsversus. And we have a Facebook page that you can check out as well. And just kind of a reminder to everybody, if you're not, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you are leaving uh, high review marks on your podcaster of choice. For example, uh, pod, uh, Apple Podcasts should have a f- place where you can give us a five-star rating and you can give us a review. Uh, that helps the algorithm and all that good stuff. Now, uh, Jumanji. So, Ariel, I was actually thinking about this myself, and I actually have a little hard time pinpointing it for me. But what is your nostalgia uh, for uh, for this film? I, You know, I feel like... Uh, my main nostalgia for this film is the game itself, like the oh, board yeah. game itself. We, didn't we? We had that, didn't we? We did have a version of it, but it's what I really wanted was like that beautiful wooden game. Well, you know, 
which was not available at Toys R Us. It was just a normal kind of cord, like cardboard box, normal oh, board game. But like the game in the cartoon. And I have a very vivid memory of uh, being chased by, uh, of a dream being chased by the vines. And one of those deals where like, you know, you're running in slow motion. You can't get away from a thing. And yeah. The- I, see, I feel like that's how I am. In real life, when I'm running, I always feel like I'm running in slow motion whenever I go running. Well, the whole like you and you're in a dream and your adrenaline does not kick in as you're trying to escape a thing. Uh, oh man, do you think my adrenaline just doesn't just doesn't kick in in real life either? Well, you're not being chased by a thing. I think I'm constantly that... being chased by the pressures of the white man. <laughs> you know, this would not have been something easily available in 1995. But I bet you could probably find a replica of the Jumanji game now. Maybe I, even a fully functional one. I well, not fully I, functional one. It's not going to be magic. It's not going to give ghost riddles. I mean, you know, I, I, it's true. I do not want that. Yeah, I trust me. I have thought about it. I Because it's like, I do think I probably can find a, repli- a replica of the Jumanji game somewhere online. And I do think about it. <laughs> mm. So for me, uh, you know, I uh, like I said, I think I have more uh, nostalgia for the cartoon than the movie. As far as the movie goes, I don't even remember if I saw it in theaters. I guess I must have. I remember that Jumanji was one of many special effects heavy movies that our dad was super jazzed about watching the making of. Like that would <laughs> they used because I don't know if they do this anymore, but back in the day they used to have these specials for big movies. Uh, where they would like go behind the scenes and see how all the effects work, it's like you know, I think Roger Rabbit was was an example of something like that. But I remember that like a huge deal was made about the special effects in this movie and like how it was cutting edge and amazing they were looking. Uh, not to put the cart before the horse, but it looks real bad. <laughs> I've uh. I have theories why we might we might get into it, but fuck, monkeys are not supposed to look like that. It's not. Yeah, holy shit, those monkeys. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know if we owned this movie. I guess we might have, but like, I just this was not a movie that was on my list of ones that I like to watch repeatedly. I I think we did own it. I don't think we watched it a whole lot. Yeah, I feel like there were other Robin Williams movies that we were quicker to watch than Jumanji. Agreed. It's like why why watch Jumanji when you got Hook and Mrs. Doubtfire? Yeah, <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about this movie because this is like one of those movies that I have forgotten an important aspect of. Um, but uh, Jumanji is a 1995 film adaptation of the 1981 picture book that was written by Chris Van Allsburg. Mm. It was directed by Joe Johnston, um, who. Uh, we would know be- well best. Is that like the best way to put it? Um, we have he's directed a lot of movies, uh, some of which are ones that we have uh, big attachments to from our childhood. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, I, I could kind of feel that energy here. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, now this was not a movie that we watched a ton, but The Rocketeer, which was something that came up a bit when we were kids, but not you like know, a ton. I you know I've. Re, it's not here nor there, but I've like rewatched that movie in in recent, within the last year. Yeah, 
that's that's actually pretty fun. Anyway, he also directed Captain America: The First Avenger. Oh, you know, I I I very much enjoy uh, the first uh, Captain America movie. I know people kind of go back and forth on it, but I I enjoy it. Uh, he also directed Jurassic Park three, so it's not all good news. <laughs> now, uh, it was the screenplay uh, was done by uh, Jonathan uh, Hensley, Greg Taylor, and Jim Strain. Although uh, Van Allsburg, as I'll get to in a, in a moment, did have a lot to do with the screenplay as well, um, which is kind of different. You don't usually have the original writer heavily involved in the writing of a of a film, but as we'll see, that's actually a little debatable. Anyway, all right, so this movie had a budget of 65 million years ago. I had $65 million, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> did a gross of $262.8 million. So that's a, pretty, that's a pretty big hit. $65 million isn't anything to sneeze at, though. That's a pretty hefty budget for the time. But this is also a very special effects-heavy movie, so that's obviously, we're obviously seeing where the well, God, we're seeing where the where the money's going. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, this movie came out the same year the same year as Toy Story. They actually came out very close with each other. This is the movie uh... that knocked Toy Story out of number one, in fact. Oh. <laughs> and we watched Toy Story, and it has not aged great, like as far as the uh, CG goes. But you can really kind of see the difference between a movie that's a designated um, CG animated film and a movie that is that has a lot of CG effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like you can still appreciate Toy Story. The effects of it makes it kind of feel more like someone's school project now. Yeah. But it's still still fun to watch. This is just it. It's just looks so bad. And like having this CGI stuff in the real world. And it. it, it yeah, yeah. It, it ain't good to look at. So. The story of this movie uh, begins with producer Peter Goober, uh, who convinced Chris Van Alsberg to option the book Jumanji. Uh, Van Alsberg uh, agreed to do so, but he ended up writing uh, one of the treatments uh, for the film, which got picked up by TriStar Pictures. Um, but TriStar would only do it under the condition that Robin Williams would play the lead. Now, this is where things get a little weird, and I'm not sure exactly what the deal is because like now I feel like I'm see- I'm seeing two different stories in one article. So here's what I understand: Robin Williams saw the script, presumably by v- uh, Van Alsbergs, and noped that shit. He was just like, <laughs> "No, thank you." Then so we got like two alternate things said here. Like one one hand, what happened was that Johnson Johnston and his writing team um, just kept working on the script until Williams decided to accept the role. But then there's another thing that's I got a very large list of actors who were considered and at least two people who turned it down, which makes doesn't make a ton of sense to me. If Robin Williams was the first choice and they were trying to write the script to the point that he would like to actually do it, why would they need to talk to or why would they need to consider all these guys, let alone apparently reach out and offer it to some of these guys? I'm going to go through the list really fast. Might as well go do it here. So apparently... Uh, Tom, Tom, excuse me, Tom Hanks, and this is in the same article, said that Tom Hanks was the first choice to play Alan. You know, I they, I guess, all for the best. We're we're gonna save this look for Castaway. He kind of, he was kind of rocking that look in uh, uh, in Forrest Gump. 
Oh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 classic ultra runners look. Uh, he turned it down uh, to do Apollo thirteen. Mm. Um. Apparently, Bruce Willis was also offered it. He also turned it down. Um. Now here's a list of folks that apparently were considered and some of these are going to blow your mind and at least one of them i think is a fucking lie and puts this whole thing into into suspect dan Aykroyd, uh michael Ke- michael keaton uh, chevy chase yeah it's not the 80s so i'm not entirely certain why chevy chase was considered yeah I, I, mm. uh sean penn okay what are we doing? Uh, Kevin Costner. What? Yeah. Uh, Richard Dreyfus. What's going on? <laughs> this, yeah, this, this is. Uh, Michael Douglas. What the fuck? <laughs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, this this seems this list does not seem real. Uh, Bill Paxton. Now, when they say that these people were considered, what does that mean? You thought about names? That's a great question. <laughs> Only some of them were listed as being considered. Some of them were listed as being actually, had actually turned it down. Usually considered means that they were thinking about it. Sometimes it means that someone was in talks or someone did audition, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they were ever any close. Anyway, that's not the end of the list. We got to keep going. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he'd already done Last Action Hero. But he didn't play a, a a man with arrested development from years of being in the jungle. Although, Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been a fucking crazy pick because like, this, this is like a kid from, like, like what, like uh, the Northeast? Yeah. Like, like he, for... he pick up the Schwarzenegger accent yeah. while in the Jumanji? Jumanji is actually a force in Austria, so like people don't realize this. Stop, and dad, I'm back from Jumanji. I want to get you You know, it's funny. I actually just had a beer tour uh, this past weekend where I had uh, Austrian guests on the tour, and we did talk a little bit about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, do they do do they actually hate him? No, they just don't care. They, just they don't, don't make yeah. when when he's in when he's. Hanging out in Austria, everyone's just like, hmm. because it doesn't. Because he's so short, no one cares about him. Well, like Schwarzenegger doesn't matter to people like he matters to Americans. Well, sure. I mean, like he was our greatest governor. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, apparently, when they're about the, when he's about there, they're just like, all right. Okay. Uh, uh, Alec Baldwin was apparently considered. <laughs> I might, uh, I might buy that one. If only. Um, what shenanigans? Then Sean Connery is on this list. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. And this is the point where I was like, this can't be fucking real. But but here's where I first suspected, because I, I took one name off to, to bring it up now. That's Brian Cranston was supposedly considered. And here's what I think that's horseshit, because we're in 1995, and Brian Cranston is very famous for spending a huge chunk of his acting career not being famous. Like, 1995, that's, like, probably still doing voices for Power Rangers, Brian Cranston time period. We're not not quite... We're we're a couple years out from Malcolm in the Middle, which is where he first becomes, like, a bit of a household name. And we're way far away from Breaking Bad, which actually makes him an A-list star. Yeah, I 100% 
cannot believe that he was considered for this pre-Malcolm in the Middle. Certainly not in the same way that you've got fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sean Connery on the same list. (laughs) I'm just like picturing like 1995, so I was like going like, uh, who should we have for this if we can't get Robin Williams? Is this like did did the internet make a mistake? Did they mean (laughs) that they were considering him for Van Pelt? Oh, you know what? I might have written, I might have gotten that wrong. Let me just double check. Because like, if if they were considering him for like the dad slash hunter... That makes more sense. Okay, yeah. Um, everything written here s- implies it's for this is all for the role of Alan Parrish. Um, mm. Now, now I will say that doesn't mean that this is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, someone could have gotten it wrong, but this I just don't understand how someone is going like, oh, let's who could we get to play this? This, this we need a big star to play this. We we can get Harrison Ford, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think we could even. Um, get sean connery to do it maybe oh how about brian cranston i heard that he just wrapped up with power rangers i think he's free now mm-hmm. get saban on the phone to make sure that his contract's up <laughs> uh, no that just didn't fucking happen i don't believe any of this okay anyway regardless of how and again like this whole thing says that tom hanks was the number one choice like why would tom hanks be the number one choice if Tristar only picked up this script with the idea that Robin Williams would have to play the role. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, like, how that all works. I feel like that's pragmatic. I, I feel like any time that people are like, only this person, it's like, but, like, really, though? I mean, this, the, the thing's got to happen. I just don't think... Well, you got to have other options. But, I, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that they would stick to him. I'm saying, why is Tom Hanks said to be the first choice when the obvious first choice is this other guy gotcha gotcha, gotcha. I'm just, I, the, it's the warning that bothers me anyway mm-hmm. um the effects of this film uh, were a combination of puppetry and animatronics uh, that were yep. done by uh, Amal- amalgamated dynamics and then the state of the art at the time uh special effects that was in fact done by our friends in du- at industrial light and magic now we've talked about industrial and, light and magic and wait let's not forget a trip to party city to get those spiders okay yeah okay sure We've talked about Industrial Light and Magic before. They played, obviously, they played a big role in our Star Wars conversation, specifically the, we talked about a good chunk in the original trilogy. And then uh, Pixar, if I recall, was birthed at Industrial Light and Magic. So we would have talked about them in our Toy Story conversations and possibly a couple other ones. Um, this was like an in between. Jurassic Park and Phantom Menace Industrial Light and Magic. So you can kind of tell that they're using this this movie to kind of experiment. Mm. Like to see what can we do with making living, breathing creatures in live action. And you can actually see a little bit of the jankiness that they have here. Kind of a little bit in the Phantom Menace in certain spots. Yeah. But I think the Phantom Menace looks better, mainly because they're not making real creatures. They're making fantasy creatures, and you can kind of make them look, look... If they look a little janky, look a little unreal, I mean, they're not real. They're fantasy. As opposed to making monkeys... Let's really put it this way. Pixar will tell you, making realistic fur is not something that's super easy to do in 1995. <laughs> they do look like uh, monkeys that they designed based on like an old-timey picture of a monkey. Where it's like, how many monkeys has that original draw like actually come across? It's a it's a rough road, you know. 
Um, so Jumanji was a success, but surprisingly, there wasn't like a sequel to it. Like at least you'd think that it might have gotten a sequel, but instead, it got a spiritual sequel slash spinoff ten years later, uh, Zathura: A Space Adventure, which is an adaptation of the other Chris Van Alsberg book that was a, a kind of a spinoff slash side story to Jumanji because Jumanji the book ends with their neighbors getting the Jumanji game and opening it up and going hey this what's this game it says Zathura on it oh and like as if like the game changed yeah I think they've opened it up and they found a second game inside the game hmm. uh, I didn't read the book so I'm not 100% yeah. certain uh, how that worked but the point is that these books were both, both those books were very connected in a way that the movies are not uh interestingly enough uh kirsten dunst stars in this film uh kristen stewart stars in sathura so you can better believe that i'm gonna try i'm gonna be making a lot of mistakes getting their names mixed up as we uh go through this episode <laughs> um they did make like i said they made some sequels more recently that are supposedly connected uh jumanji welcome to the jungle and jumanji the next level where basically the game evolves itself to be a video game console because that's what the kids are into and and it wants people to play it although the rules of it are way different is because it it brings you to jumanji as opposed to bringing jumanji to you which what this movie is all about unless unless you're alan yeah, it definitely seems to uh, change its uh, tune about what it means to go into Jumanji and whether or not you are isolated. <laughs> yeah, it's completely. The movies are so different. I actually wonder if the original one was its own film, and then someone who happened, the studio happened to own the IP for Jumanji, said, "Let's make this. A, let's put Jumanji, the Jumanji name on it." Because they're just so different. Speaking of differences, there was an animated adaptation that we talked about. Uh, so that's 1996, the uh, Jumanji the Animated Series. Uh, it features three of the four main characters from this one. Sarah is missing. <laughs> uh, never never shows up in this in this show at all. Uh, and and like the later movies, it would make you wonder if maybe maybe they were inspired by this. But like the later movies, this is also reversed. The premise is reversed. So in the TV mm-hmm. show. How the game works is that you play it and then you get a clue and then you're immediately transported to Jumanji and you can't leave until you solve your clue. The two kids, Judy and Peter, they play, they get sent to Jumanji, then they meet Alan, who's been stuck there for decades because he didn't see his clue when he, before he got transported. So he has no idea what his clue is. So the premise of the show is that they, they, they solve their clue, they get to go back, but they keep going back in the hopes to help Alan find a way to get back home. And that's like the problems of the show. And unlike a lot of other uh, TV shows of the time, it actually has an ending. Alan does eventually get home. I remember watching that cartoon quite a bit. I mean, I, like looking, doing this podcast has really made me realize just how many, like, I guess I was really into watching the the TV show spinoffs of all these things because, like, Lord knows I did watch a lot. I think, well, I mean, part of the problem is that you have me for an older brother because I basically watched everything. So if I'm watching everything, you're probably watching it too, either because you're like, oh, I'm just going to watch it with my brother or Jason won't let me change the channel. <laughs> better, better this than sports. This <laughs> <laughs> year, this or Hockey Town. I mean, I swear, any any time 
our dad was like, I'm going to watch football. It was like, you bastard. <laughs> it, was, it was so upsetting. <laughs> um, I have very strong memories watching this this cartoon every day before school. Um, For years. Um, yeah. I think it was syndicated for a while, but I guess it was on UPN too. But yeah, I, I think I fondly remember the cartoon. It was darker than you'd think it would be. Like sometimes characters would die. Alan's whole situation is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I feel like this cartoon's also kind of been forgotten about, like with the whole like new wave of Jumanji fever that kind of swept the nation a couple years ago. Uh, I don't remember too many people talking about the cartoon all that much. Yeah. Okay, Ariel. So, so I was going to watch Jumanji, but unfortunately, I got distracted by this board game um, <laughs> called Jumanji. And basically, <laughs> what Jumanji is is just uh, me drinking hard cider and falling asleep on the couch. <laughs> so, uh, can you please explain to everybody what happens in this movie? Sure. Maybe. May have, may, may have been asleep during all of it. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So, the movie uh, starts in 1969 in a small town in New Hampshire. Uh, it's following the character um, Alan Parrish. Um, he's a preteen, uh, who's, uh, like, kind of small, uh, easy to pick on. Uh, there's, a, a kind of a, a gang of guys who are messing with him, including a, a guy named Billy, because, you know, the, the, the main guy needs to be Billy, and he's gonna beat the shit out of you. Although, I gotta say, hats off to the one black kid in the black, in the back of the, the bullying, uh, gang. It's like, it's, it's 1969, and he's managed to, to... <laughs> Get on the side of people bullying other people. He gets to bully a white boy. Good for him. Any hoops. <laughs> Couldn't wouldn't wouldn't fly in the south. Yeah, it's like you're it's like dear black kid. You're lucky you're in New Hampshire. Alan is the son of this uh, shoemaker, like a like a guy like his dad is like the the head of a, a big shoemaking company. They're kind of like the big family in the town so much so that like a boarding school has one of the dorms like named after alan's grandfather it's like that big of a deal but uh he keeps kind of butting heads with his dad because um his dad is just kind of like old-timey masculine whereas it's like you need to stand up for yourself and i also don't know how to talk about emotions and so i will never fucking say i love you but pat on the back sometimes but i will argue with you if you try to uh, talk back to me, that kind of thing. Um, so they get into a fight and they go off him and his, like his parents go off for uh, some evening event. And, uh, he's come across this board game that sounds like drumming. As you see in like kind of the cold open that, um, some kids a while ago bury this game that is drumming. Well, this box that is drumming, you don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Like old West kids, except that it had to have been in the in the east. Yeah. It's like any 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 old timey thing is just in the west. They can't help it. It's just what happens. Um but Alan takes that box home and uh he's about to like kinda leave and uh but uh this girl, uh Sarah Whittle, who is the girlfriend, quote unquote, of, of Billy the the bully. She's friends with him and she's come to check in on him because she knows he got the shit beat out of him. And he got the beat down. He got the beat down. Uh they kind of decide like they're gonna play this game. 
Um, no one seems to care about the fact that this game is drumming. I feel like, especially at that time in a technological history, I would care more that this game is just like drumming, making drumming sounds. Uh, if When I was 12, I'm not sure I would have. But like, you're still, I, I feel like you're that that's still in a time where you might say like, okay, it's coming from this electronic thing. I don't know if you could make that stretch in 1969. But no, like, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that when I was 12, I was dumb. Oh, uh, so it just wouldn't have mattered. No, I would have. I would have gotten all, into all sorts of magical shenanigans. You would never see my. <laughs> you never see my ass again. I'd be trapped <laughs> in Narnia or whatever. Uh, uh, I, I, I would have been right along with you because I am stupid and I probably would have followed you just about anywhere. So we both would have ended up in horrible Jumanji Narnia. Anywho, so they start to play the game, uh, but you know, once that dice, uh, once those dice drop, it is you're locked in. And it starts with a clue that's basically about bats. You don't see anything yet, um, but you can hear something a little bit. Then Alan rolls his die, and his riddle is basically you about to go into Jumanji until until the other player rolls uh, eight or five. I don't remember the the, the poems. Oh, um... in the, in Jumanji, you'll have to wait until someone else rolls five or eight something like that so he gets sucked in the game um to sarah whittle that poor girl's dismay before she can really take in what she's seen basically there's a barrage of bats that come in and chase her out and so we don't know what's happened jump to 26 years later there's another family moving in uh the shepherd family um mainly the the kid the people of note are Peter and Judy Shepard, uh, kids who are moving into this house. They come across the game. They start to play. Important to know that they are in mourning. They are in mourning. Their parents have recently died, and they are living with their uh, aunt, who apparently has used all that life insurance to buy herself a mansion. Not What better plan, financial economic plan, than to buy a mansion in a dying town to turn into a bed and breakfast? It will attract all of the out of work folks. Yeah, what is what is this? The TV show Ghost? What are we doing? Anyway, they come across the game. They start to play. All the crazy stuff starts happening again. There's a lion. There are killer mosquitoes. But Peter rolls uh five and Alan gets out and after twenty six years in Jumanji, they continue the game because they realize that this game like, all the bad stuff won't go away until you finish the game. They also have to find Sarah Whittle, the girl from before, because you have to have all the players to be able to continue the game. So shenanigans continue to happen as they go through the game and eventually get to the end. So you can say, Jumanji! And then you win. I think that the thing I liked most about this movie um, was when it dealt on the relationship between Alan and his father. Yeah. Because I actually find it pretty fascinating. Um, it's actually kind of funny because it's like, because A, uh, uh, Alan's father's in, like um, demand that he go to his old school yeah. is reminds me of our dad's demand that we go to Cast Tech. Sure. But like not, obviously not to the exact same extent at all, but like um, 
it just kind of reminded me of, of that. But then also I was reminded that uh, actor in this film, David Allen Greer, also went to Cast Tech. Mm-hmm. And I started getting into like a little mental loop there. Yeah, I always get excited when I watch a thing that's like, oh yeah, Cast Tech alum. They recently showed a group of friends um, the movie Harlem Nights for the first time that has Della Reese in it. And so I feel like I'm on a little bit of a Cast Tech kick right now. Anyway, uh, I like the scene where they're reunited at the end and then we flat fast forward to quote unquote present day and we don't see his dad again but we see we hear alan on the phone with him and it sounds like they've they've maintained a very close relationship without it banging us over the head with it and he's alive yeah he's alive like i guess he died of a broken heart like 30 years after the fact (laughs) well i guess you know when when you don't spend years and years grieving over the loss of your son you feel like it's your fault maybe and just in general you take care of yourself better and yeah. so you end up not dying so young i i guess i'll talk about it here because i don't think there's actually much to most of the main character's quote-unquote character uh but the other thing i really like about this movie was actually kirsten dunst i really thought kirsten dunst did a really good child acting performance i, I do too you know it's like yeah that kid's that kid's got something. Can't wait it, to see her do more stuff. It, it it makes sense because I believe this is the follow up to her performance in an Interview with the Vampire. Oh yeah, bubble. Yep, yeah, sure. Where sure, she sure, got sure. an incredible amount of critical acclaim, although no Academy Award nominations. I was actually a little surprised about that mm-hmm. to, to find out that she didn't get that. So Kirsten Dunst was like riding high, like she was like on a trajectory this is probably like her first big i'm starring in a film type of deal but she ended up being like a there's still a couple of years away from like bringing it on and spider-man well and well and in between you have uh drop dead gorgeous oh you know what i've never seen that oh it mm, it mm, there are a lot of jokes in that movie that do not hold up so like grain of salt with watching it um but it, it is a fun movie like i i used to like it a lot more than i do now um, I don't know if Kirsten Dunst has had the best career. I feel like she keeps, considering what we say for her as a child actress, you would think that she would have gotten media roles as she got older. And I feel like a lot of the movies that she was in, she wasn't, excuse me, she wasn't called to do a ton. Mm-hmm. And like the role that everyone remembers her from is as Mary Jane in Spider-Man, which she, I mean, that character is nothing. It's a nothing yeah. character. That, that That is a bummer. I agree. I can't really think of many things I've seen her in that are just like, wow, this is, yeah, not given the opportunity to ever, like, give a, a very great performance. Now, it's, it's different nowadays. Like, uh, I can, like, she was, like, her performance in the Fargo TV show, um, mm-hmm. her performance in Power of the Dog. Like, she's obviously a great actress, but just didn't really seem to get the opportunity. It's like the opposite of Natalie Portman. Mm. in a way well not the opposite exactly but they went to like kind of opposite directions even though they both got critical acclaim as child actors i definitely was thinking about natalie portman with this and just like yeah kind of the the because i feel like they're of a similar age and yeah, their yeah, their think, trajectories uh, are, are pretty parallel yeah i think they're about a year or, or so apart yeah it's interesting so yeah i was actually very impressed um with it and i didn't immediately recognize her um really? Yeah, I had forgotten she was in this movie. Um, in fact, like I only found out like as an adult that she, it, this was her in this. I didn't. This is not something that I remembered from back in the day. Although I did know about it before I watched it this week, I just forgot. Mm-hmm. 
and she's just basically the lead as far as like the kid actors go. Like she's clearly more in like in the lead than her than the other kid. But and so it's good that they had a good kid actor leading the way. So it's so often as we've seen on this very podcast, it is not always the case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know what? I I like Van Pelt in theory. Like I like the idea of Van Pelt. I like the performance of Van Pelt. Yeah, and I I think there is an interesting amount of like menace and suspense related to like oh no, oh this is like oh I know who this is and 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 just like the fear of him like constantly hunting you like in theory that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, I do wonder is the whole thing about like Van Pelt. I mean, he's played by the same actor who plays uh, Alan's dad. And is that the movie saying that? Or is that the game being like, I got to teach you a lesson about your dad? Like, Well, seeing as how it's never called out in the movie, I have to assume it's not the game. Because I, I feel if it was the game, it would have been something to resolve. Like, like when he stands up to him, Van Pelt would just turn into his dad. It's like, so you finally learned how to stand up for yourself and then vanish or something like that. Nothing like, really... nothing, nothing like that happened. I mean, that wouldn't be good. I'm not saying it would be good, but I think that would be... I think that any other... If, the, if it's the game, I think it's too subtle for movie audiences to get that's exactly what it's saying. I think that's the movie telling us. And yeah, it's not the game being too subtle, it's the movie not being subtle enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I, I still... I, I, yeah, the whole idea of like, you know, a combination of a big game hunter and the Terminator... Is kind of interesting. Actually, if the movie was more about that, that actually might have helped a lot of my issues with this film. But I just really love the scene where Van Pelt goes to the gun shop, which is such a, which such a, by the way, is a very depressing um, sequence to watch in 2023 <laughs> with all the shootings that happened and the lack of gun regulations. However, I love the idea that he he uh, brings out those bullets and they're like, oh, they haven't made these bullets since like, like, like since like 1903 or whatever and he's like down <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I just some reason when he said that it's cracked up yeah his 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 matter of fact like matter of fact energy about everything is is pretty pretty fun <laughs> yeah uh, i would i would have liked to see a bit more van pelt but less van pelt um in silly slapstick situations i would like to see deadly will definitely murder oh god i also like the idea that like like he won't kill anybody else but alan because alan's the one that rolled the dice yeah yeah i i, I think that is that is scary it yeah, is that is right. yeah that is particularly scary um doesn't explain why he was trying to kill him in jumanji i guess he was just bored anyway um everyone's fair game when you're in jumanji uh, fair <laughs> enough um and uh, this has nothing to do with the movie but apparently in the uh cartoon there was an episode where they kill Van Pelt. Oh. And they're finally free of him, except that Peter starts turning into Van Pelt, apparently <gasps> because there must always be a hunter in Jumanji. Jesus Christ. I don't remember that episode, but holy shit. Yeah, like, no, that fucking cartoon was intense. That was an intense cartoon. They, the only way they could save him was bring Van Pelt back to life. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, um... Is there anything else that you found particularly interesting or good about this film? Um, uh, I think you know, little little 
little Peter Shepard is a cute little kid. Um, you know he's the voice of Chip from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, oh no, I did not yeah. realize that. So I, what if, this is just uh, Bradley Pierce, right? Yep. Uh, okay, so let's see. Is he uh, is he still active? I suspect probably not, right? Is no, he... he says he still is. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, he's still doing stuff. Um. The last thing I see him in is in some film from 2018 called Deacon. Doesn't seem to have a Wikipedia entry, so can't tell you anything about it. Uh. Don't know. It's a little weird looking at a picture of him from 2016 when I just saw him as a like a nine year old. Yeah. Yeah. Very very different. Um. Let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Oh and- shoot! He was also Tails. From Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, okay. That I did not know. I'm assuming he was hanging out with Julia White. Julia, yeah. Well, that's fun. Um, um, let's see. I guess I just going back to it. I guess my other big thing is just like I just love the design of the the game itself. I just like the way it looks. Props to the props designer because I just I just really yeah. Like it. It, it looks great. It really does. Like just the the wood carved. Like like silhouette is just so it is it looks really good. It, like, when you said like you want you wish you had the uh uh the actual not the actual but like a replica, I started thinking in my head like I kind of want that too. Now that I think about it, yeah. Like I mean, I was talking shit about someone ignoring the drums, but like honestly, I'm a sucker for a pretty looking board game. In the same way, I'm a sucker for uh, a pretty looking journal that I definitely don't need to buy. So like yeah, I might ignore the drums because I'm just like oh it's so pretty. If I just ignore the drums, then they can't hurt me. <laughs> Maybe I'm having a nervous breakdown. That doesn't have anything to do with how beautiful this this box is. No, it's good for nervous breakdowns. Board games. Board games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this movie is a great example of an amazing idea and premise for a film that somehow not just doesn't stick the landing, but like like shatters both legs and then the uh the paramedics accidentally drop the person as they're trying to get to the ambulance yeah uh because the premise of this movie is like in itself such a chilling and interesting idea like the idea of a 12 year old kid being lost in a magic jungle for decades the the body horror if things don't go exactly the way it's planned to some characters that is super chilling stuff and if this was recut as like a a, a modern horror film like not recut but if it was recut for a trailer for a modern horror film it would be probably pretty easy to 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 make that happen um honestly had this movie like been in the 80s i bet we would have gotten more of that because there's oh, a yeah, lot of probably. like 80s kid movies that are like shit it's dark as hell yeah um and then like just like the, the incredible destruction of the town that in the fact that technically everything is erased from existence because they wind up back in the 60s that's a very like old school kind of fantasy type of deal the fact like like technically the characters of of peter and and uh, was it just judy and peter it's judy and peter right yeah yeah their, their characters technically stop existing because like yeah um the stuff that would have made them them never happens in the new timeline so they're just gone so that's kind of an interesting thing but the problem is i it feels like there was a darker script at some point and seeing as how there's like three fucking script writers not counting johnson who almost certainly had a hand in there as well mm. and also not counting whatever 
treatments happened before they got their hands on it. It feels like it got cut up to add more kid-friendly stuff. So you've got kind of like an unkid-friendly premise with a lot of silly shit like sprinkled all out that really kind of eliminates the direness of the of the other stuff. Like Alan being like this, like have like being like trapped in Jumanji, coming out in the real world, only to find out that his whole world has changed. His parents are dead, um, and he has got nothing. That that sort of like. I don't want to say that Robin Williams underplays it, but the character seems to underplay it. Like, like I think I would have just not gotten up. I think I would have just walked right into the sea if that had happened to me. Then you've got, you know, like Van Pelt, who we've already kind of established is supposed to be the fucking Terminator, but ends up, you know, slipping and sliding on marbles or paint or whatever. And it's, yeah, like it's, it's just, you know, silly stuff. Not to mention like the, the monkeys as ugly and hideously created as far as CG goes, um, they're actually pretty terrifying as just what they do. I feel like if yeah. it's just the monkeys, they could have just destroyed the town, they given keep, them enough time. They keep getting guns. <laughs> like, it's it's really... And, like, the mosquitoes. Like, the, the real estate woman who apparently gets bit by one of the mosquitoes, and she is, like, fucking comatose and she crashes her car like didn't they say like 90 people wound up in the hospital yeah like there's there are some dire and like not to i mean the the fucking mosquitoes were terrifying they were terrifying like the fact that they're little the little what do they call them they're little convertibles no no No. no, the the mosquitoes like stingers stingers i guess yeah no i I guess they're noses right yeah i don't i don't i don't don't know what that's called hmm you know the pointy part of the mosquito. The pointy part. <laughs> Just going through <laughs> the windshield? Holy fuck. It's so yeah. scary. Yeah. Um somewhat um mitigated by uh Alan trying to drive. Yes, yeah, they they took the edge off. And also like the the the, the spider Audrey too. Oh yeah. Oh like man, the, the, the tarantula Audrey too that also has little parts that have like the this the the poison, thing. like that. It that basically kills Judy at the end. Yeah, <laughs> but the problem is like like there's such dark stuff here, but it's not, the movie does not take it dark. Like some, sometimes it feels like it is, but then but then you'll have David Allen Greer show up and have shenanigans with his police car, and then you kind of the tension is completely lost. Yeah. Although I will say that. Considering it's David Allen Greer, there wasn't as much of like energy as I would have expected from a movie with him in it. I think it's like one scene where he has that level of David Allen Greer energy. Yeah, when the when the vine crushes his car, there was a lot of and it's it's a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I think my my major problem with this film is that it's an interesting premise that is completely devoid of tension because they needed to make a PG film. That's the thing. This movie was PG, and this movie was not well received by critics at the time. Sure. Um, Robert Ebert specifically said that it was confusing to him that this movie was PG, not PG thirteen. And I think I understand that because this movie was allowed to have a bit more teeth than I could I could see. I could like I could see them having more opportunity to do to play around with some of the stuff a little darker. It doesn't have to be an R-rated horror film, but it's just like you know some of the shit in here is just like like just like Peter's transformation is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But in but the movie doesn't they act, act more like a ah oh, shucks what a terrible predicament we're in as opposed to going like 
I mean, is this my life now? Yeah. So that's my major problem with the film. I could ne- I couldn't quite get into it because of that. Now it's kind of funny because Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle is all slapstick, and yet I actually did enjoy that movie when I saw it in the theaters. Not enough to watch it a second time, but uh, I did enjoy it for what it was, mainly because The Rock and Kevin Hart actually have really good, really good chemistry. And I'll, I will watch any movie where they're both starring. <laughs> I guess except for uh, the one about the super pets. I didn't get around to watching that. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, well, I feel like that goes along with, like, if you're going to do a certain tone, go for it. Yeah. But, like, kind of splitting the diff makes it just not go down smooth. Yeah. I, I think they probably wanted to have a film, a family film that could get as many people in theaters as possible. But in order to do that, they had to make sacrifices to the general tone. So I don't know. I, I'm curious of what the original script was was that Robin Williams turned down compared to what the final version was. I'm wondering, like, which version was the darker one? Because, like, I don't know that the original one would have had that energy anyway. Hmm. But whatever we got, I think it was an example of too many chefs in the, in the, in the kitchen and too many producers need to make that money now they the movie was was a success can't say they were wrong about what they did i guess but i don't know i just had a hard time watching it it wasn't it, it, i i should have had more fun watching this and it just wasn't fun yeah yeah it was it was not fun and then the other problem with this film is just that the special effects just don't look good in fact it's not just the it's not just the the cg which looks awful down the line i have seen some of the reviews from back then apparently they weren't very fond of those effects even back then so it was so even though it was state of the art it wasn't like people are going like wow this is amazing i guess if you weren't watching the special on abc or whatever but uh also the practical effects don't always look great yeah they're that little you know they with the lion they kind of go back and forth with that being uh like a puppet lion and the cgi lion and even when it's like the puppety lion i was just like man as like it just feels like they did not put much money into this like it, it doesn't look it, it just just looks cheap yeah you know? uh usually i'm a big proponent of practical effects and animatronics but just here it didn't just didn't work out i wonder if industrial light and magic was so expensive that they couldn't give un, like enough money to amalgamated dynamics to do anything interesting because like these guys are the same guys that did starship troopers and then they did alien the alien franchise they did let's see let's see this is some of the stuff they did tremors they did demolition man these are some movies i kind of recall being pretty good with the with the practical effects um and then some a lot there's a lot of bad movies on here there's a lot of bad movies on here yeah i the the spiders which i guess on the one hand it's all for the best because i didn't have to worry about having like nightmares about these spiders but oh boy those are just i mean they're 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 just like hot off of some halloween enthusiast's front porch very cheap is there anything else we need to talk about the movie itself before we move on to characters such as it is i'm glad it's not too long yeah, it's not that long of a movie. I mean, it's, it's a PG film. PG films tend to um, be closer to a tight 90 than not. Kids don't have huge um, attention spans after all. I appreciate that. I feel like nowadays we everything is pushing that, that length, even with kids' movies. I um, mean, I don't watch enough kids' movies to know. I've watched two PG films in the last couple of years. 
um, in theaters. Um, I don't remember either of them being super long. So I saw Barbie and I saw the new Ninja Turtle movie. Mm. Oh, I guess I was thinking more like, I, I guess when I watch kids' movies, they tend to be like Disney things that I feel like they kind of push the the length a little bit more than normal kids' movies. But yeah. oh, Potentially. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let's just let's let's talk. Uh, let's talk about characters. All right. So Robin Williams. This is a Robin Williams joint. This is one of his famous movies from this era where he was just like, I don't know. He seemed like he was getting cast in a lot of kids movies in this time period. Yeah, because like you you have you've got your hook. Obviously, you have this. You get into like Flubber. Like there's a oh, yeah. And and then like you know Aladdin was kind of the start of that. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. yeah. Fern Gully. Um, oh yeah, Fern Gully. That's God. We got we got to watch that. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. So uh, Jim Johnson didn't actually like the idea of casting Robin Williams mm-hmm. uh, because Williams had a reputation for doing a lot of improv, and I guess Johnson doesn't like that. He yeah. he wants people to adhere to the script. Mm-hmm. So, um so Williams came in, he agreed to do so, but they but, but he was allowed to to have some duplicate scenes where he's interacting uh with Bonnie Hunt. Um and he's allowed to do improv in those scenes. I don't know how much of that actually made it into the final cut. Um but here's what I will say about well Robin Williams as Alan. I don't think this film utilizes Okay, it's two things. I don't think it utilizes Robin Williams to like his best strengths mm-hmm. compared to some of these other high energy roles he's had in some of these other films. But also, I'm not sure if Robin Williams, the character he normally plays, is suitable for a a guy who has the, the sheer amount of trauma that someone like Alan Parrish should have. Sure. So it's either Robin Williams is not good at that type of role, or they didn't write it correctly but either way i kind of felt that williams was kind of out of place here like it didn't feel he felt kind of almost understated uh, yeah i agree um i although i have to say that like when he like first gets out of jumanji and all the stuff that happens like with him finding the line and stuff i was like you know what it made me think that like the actor jason manzukis looks and sounds like he he just escaped from Jumanji. <laughs> every basically every role he he is he's been in. You can if you had said that he had just escaped from Jumanji, it would have like you could like you could justify it. Like, like he's like, oh yeah, it makes sense yeah. as far as his backstory. Like a hundred percent. Like I, I I would not blink at that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know like how many of those actors I listed off were actually people who would have ever been in this movie, but. I don't, there are a couple of people on that list I think would have probably done a better job. You know, actually, Brian Cranston would have been perfect for this role. Yeah, had this been at a time where he would have done such a thing, I think that would have actually been very fun. I think it's yeah, he would have been he would have been like so much younger than we're used to him used to seeing him if he had been in this movie at this yeah. time. Like the and I'm just remembering his high his high level energy from uh, Godzilla. Where he spends like the like the first twenty minutes just running around screaming, basically. <laughs> uh, and I was imagining like, oh, what if this guy was like twenty five years younger? It's a little confusing because, like, I think, yeah, I think the the what you mentioned about like it's it's hard to write this character who essentially has gone through like twenty six years of trauma because it's like twenty six years in this jungle, which I know that he 
obviously has not, you know, he's not keeping track of time. But he has basically gone through puberty, adulthood, and has entered middle age during this time. I like it. You could feel at least enough of that. And I find it kind of confusing, like him coming in and being like, are you my... Uh, are, are you my uh, younger siblings? Did he just like think that like if once he got out, he would just like go back to where it started? Like, is that why he thinks that like? Well, I mean, like, he could have thought that because like if he would have if he went back to where it started, there wouldn't be any younger siblings. So at least a, he he's, he's at least aware that some years have passed. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's a little confusing, and like I don't know if it, the his comment about like going going back to sixth grade was a joke or did it was he... Prob- I mean, it's probably it's probably a joke ish, okay. okay. Um, but also, like you know, I mean, like there's no way Alan doesn't have severe arrested development sure. at this point. So like, there's so he's joking, but he's also kind of not joking as well. He probably has no idea what one does if they don't if they don't have like education at that point. Like he probably doesn't even he may not understand the concept of like a GED, for example. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I just uh, it's it's just like hard because it's like. It, it it it. I'm under the impression that the only like person that he has interacted with has been Van Pelt hunting him. I guess like we don't know for sure, but he definitely yeah. talks about the fact that he's like been alone, and like uh, yeah, I I think that's a, a hard thing to present in this kind of scenario because like I don't think he would be this sociable and like you know bounce back as much as he does upon learning about his family and stuff like also he does a really good job shaving yeah i mean even for his first though just a few nicks like he really bounced in like yeah it's a confusing character um so we said before kirsten dunce is in this we already kind of talked about her i will say that uh i don't think judy has a lot to her as a character but i do think her uh mechanism for dealing with the parents death of being just uh a big liar is fine but like i kind of would have liked her to be a little bit more melancholy about it as opposed to like chuckling as she walks away having told a big ridiculous lie to somebody yeah that that moment feels very weird because like her her chuckle and also she doesn't that lady doesn't even give that much of a reaction so like i'm not that's that's probably how she got killed like she 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 saw the big insect and was just like huh that's happening and then just kind of let it stinger well like i don't i don't know what exactly judy's getting out of it because it's like because i mean my thought would be the idea of like saying this thing and having someone be like oh my god oh my god to you and just being like "Eh, stupid bitch but like the person doesn't say that much to her story but like she just like goes off chuckling to herself and it's like what what are you getting out of this but yeah i don't really think there's i don't think there's much more we can talk about Judy, so you already talked about Kirsten Dunst. Um, Bradley Pierce plays her younger brother, Peter. Um, by the way, this is not the first time that the 90s has produced um, old, the older sister-younger brother dynamic in peril in mm. these adventure movies. Like This is not dissimilar from Jurassic Park, although I think Kirsten Dunst is a superior um, actress than who they had in that film. That girl's got some good scared face eating jello. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, as far as Bradley Pierce goes, I think he's fine. Peter has even less to do than Judy. Yeah. 
So it's kind of like hard. Oh, but I do hate, I hate, I hate. This is exactly the type of thing that that messed me up with this film and just broke the tension. Where he is told to go get the axe. Oh, God. And he finds the axe outside the shed where he shows his. It takes him a second to realize that's the, that's the axe he's looking at, he's looking for. So he tries to use the axe to break into the shed to get the axe, which is fine. But then when he realizes his mistake, he looks, he looks right in the camera and then goes on his way. And is like, okay, come on now. Yeah, does a full-on Jim Halpert to the camera. So unnecessary. It's a stupid gag. Like, why? Why? Eh, God. <laughs> Especially since moments later, Judy is killed. So, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. It's a, really, it's, a, it's a total whiplash in this film, for sure. I also find it interesting that they went out of their way to make a plot point that, like, he's not speaking to anyone. But he starts speaking not only to, I mean, obviously, he's still speaking to Judy when no one else is around. But he speaks in general pretty fast. Just And it's just like... I don't know. I think if you're going to make it a thing that he's gone through trauma and he's not speaking that like if you're going to have that to make that be more of a moment for him to be speaking. You're basically saying that his talking to Alan when he shows up feels unearned. A, a, a bit or like or like if he start, starts talking and then he gets turned into like his little monster mash version. If he was unable to speak again, like like it not like. If, if him turning into that thing made him not able to speak, like, now it's like, now he's forced to not speak, I think that also would have been interesting, but, like, yeah, you don't get that. Ah, so basically what you're saying is that instead of doing nothing, they should have done something. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe work some more of actually making a plot, guys. <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, Bonnie Hunt uh, plays Sarah Whittle, uh, who is the, uh, the <laughs> so she's uh, Alan's friend from back in the day who they have to recruit who i have to say this out loud because i have to remind myself who she is because she's not in the cartoon yeah i assume that they figured it'd be too many people and wouldn't fit into the the new premise the, the new premise yeah um but uh i don't know much about bonnie hunt i looked at her filmography and it is a who's who of movies that i've not seen she is quite and, a pixar gal isn't she yeah i was gonna say and also in a lot of pixar films where i would not have recognized her voice mm-hmm. so i i don't know if i i can't even think of a single movie i may have seen like she's i guess i've seen beethoven right i was many thinking, years ago i had so a similar I, thought I was just like oh i guess okay but I didn't see Rain Man. I didn't see Jerry Maguire. I didn't see The Green Mile. Nope, nope, nope. I didn't see The Cheaper Brother Dozen one or two. Did I? I might have seen one before. I'm not sure. Ah. Nor did I see her. Nor did I see her sitcom. She's apparently starred on more than one TV show. That's so weird. I just this person, this prolific actor who's just been in a ton of things I've just never seen. It is odd. Um. Anyway, as for how she does here, like. You know, I think what we can say another problem with this movie is that it doesn't feel like the characters are fully realized. Because mm. I keep finding myself being like, I actually don't have much to say about the character. And again, don't have much to say about uh, Sarah. I think that the movie tries to make a bigger deal of the idea of sh- Alan got stuck because she abandoned him. But I feel like the movie doesn't do a good job of making that like a real proper plot point. I mean, like... He disappeared, and she got chased by a bunch of vicious bats. I mean, like, I feel that that's kind of an understandable reaction, you know? 
Yeah, it's it's kind of a well, what you gonna do? Because like also like, I'm sure by time even if she had like and maybe she did like rally to come back to the house. Yes, yes. We, but we, like we know so little. Yeah, we. But like even if she did. I bet it wasn't the same night. Like, I bet it would be, like, the next day. But by then, it's just like, oh, shit, he's gone. Like, I don't know. I think it would have been hard for her to even try to play the game. Also, yeah, I it's I think it's just hard. And then, like, also, if it's just the two of them, if she rolls and she doesn't get a, a five or a set or an, an eight, does she just, like, would she just have to, would she be able to just keep playing on, like, it's her turn, her turn, her turn? Or or would she just be stuck because it would be his turn next? We don't now, know. We don't know because it doesn't come up. But I have to assume that Jumanji is a sinister enough game to understand that it's okay to skip Alan's turn in that exact situation. <laughs> I um, guess. But but you, who knows? But like I think I just would have liked to have more on that and make the idea that Sarah abandons Alan darker, like just like more obvious like maybe the reason that his dad got the reputation of having murdered him is because that was the only explanation sarah's mind could rationally accept Mm. like her mind couldn't accept that he got sucked into a game but it would accept like maybe a therapist suggested that maybe her his father killed her like you know maybe he did and then that ended up being like the thing i started which would give alan significantly more reason to be upset yeah i also feel like when she's like they when they're like hanging out like where are they on like on the couch and they're talking and and she was like com- complaining about like the the trauma of what happened to her like after he got sucked into the game and how no one believed her blah blah, blah. and it's just like these are all valid things but i feel like the one person you cannot complain about your last your last 26 years to is the person who has been in the fucking jungle alone for 26 years. And yeah. like, cause he was just like, I, he was like, I was alone. And she's like, so was I. And it's like, bitch, you weren't though. Like, it's like valid. I, I, I could understand that it must've been awful for you to have everyone be like, to not believe you, for you to feel like you're crazy, for people to say that you're crazy. And you can, and you could complain about that to anyone except for Alan. <laughs> please understand that his shit is worse <laughs> why did she change her name she says that she doesn't go by sarah widow anymore so what did she, why did she change her name especially if she didn't move oh the to whatever that psychic name is on the door i mean well i mean i assume this is a professional name for her business but she literally says like i don't go by that name anymore maybe she goes by the psychic name i guess i guess <laughs> but also stu- fucking why like why does she <laughs> yeah. like what why because it's like it's only in that moment like yeah they they, they, they don't bring up the idea of her being a psychic because even if we can assume that she's not really a psychic it'd be, it'd be i would if i were alan I'd, i would at least at some point ask so what's up with you being a psychic suddenly yeah like what a but it's just it's never mentioned again yeah what a weird thing to yeah go out of your way to make a plot point that for some reason she's a psychic now a psychic yeah. who like super loves her therapist uh yeah it it doesn't make any sense like what like well like why bother even having that sign because it literally affects nothing else in the film like nothing else is affected by th- them thinking that she's a psychic or whatever um it's they could have just knocked on the door and had the exact same conversation and it would not have mattered yeah 
weird 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 I also I always find it funny that like you know small towny shit where everyone is always just like still living in the house that they grew up in yeah yeah that is kind of that is kind of interesting I, I'll give I'll give Alan a pass for like when they reset time just because you know like the Parises are are the family in that town yeah and if you're gonna stay in that it's probably him staying in town is the main reason for that um city to still exist and if you're gonna stay in that if you're gonna stay in town why not stay in your giant mansion yeah that is that is fair i I just i just keep thinking about like i can't i just cannot believe that that aunt bought that big old that big old house anyway you know there was a time where um inheriting your parents house as your own was a pretty common practice in the united states sure doesn't really happen too much anymore mainly because the baby boomers just Refuse to die. <laughs> uh, speaking of the ant, this Nora Shepherd, uh, played by uh, played by BB North. Uh, I don't know much about her. I mean, she's known most most for for Fraser. Oh, you know what? I barely watch Fraser, and I don't know really anyone in there. Who is she in in Fraser? Um, she's she's just like one of the main like she's one of like two main women i never really watched fraser but i do know that she is like of kind of the four like main people she's like one of the four main characters besides like fraser fraser niles some other chick i'm forgetting the name of and and then bb newer's character like those are kind of like oh shit so she was an ada she played an ada in like a uh, Law and Order Trial by Jury, which was a show that I watched, and I watched them cancel it, and I forgot everything about it. Um, she's been a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. I haven't watched almost anything that she's been in. Also, like you know, since we did have our Chicago episode, uh, she also has played uh, Vemma Kelly on Broadway. She also played, and like speaking of like we did Adam's family. She was also in the Adam's family Broadway musical as Morticia. I personally. Do not care her for her voice. Um, I find it shaky and weird, but apparently people like it a lot because she often ends up on Broadway. Huh, she also played uh, Mama Morton in Broadway years later. Yeah, it, 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 I, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to like throw shade at her, but like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. And I don't think she's. I don't think it was being. I don't think of it being throwing shades, just like, you know, some people got it, some people don't. Uh, anyway. Um, but I will. Okay. No, I'll bring this up later. I'm sorry. Keep going. Okay. I was just saying that as far as this movie goes, uh, her character is uh, half written. And I don't think the creators put any real effort into developing her character other than there needs to be a reason why the Paris kids are in that house. Until they said, oh, the aunt bought it to make a bed and breakfast, which is, like, again, a bonkers plan. Man. That's all I was going to say. Yeah. Also, like, this is, I, I should have mentioned this, sir. What, this is the longest day ever. It's like, pretty long. It, like, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of action, a lot of location. I know it's a small town. I know it's a small town. But a lot of location changes. And we still end up being completely in the daylight with all of this. It just, it's a very long day. <laughs> Yeah, it never gets to like twilight. It never gets to nighttime. That is pretty interesting. Now that I think about it. 
Um, all right, move, let's, let's move on. One more character I feel we should probably talk about, and that's, uh, well, I guess two characters, but played by the same actor, Jonathan Hyde, who plays Sam, Alan's dad, and then also Van Pelt. We talked enough about Van Pelt. Um, I just want to mention, of first of all, I think Jonathan Hyde does very good playing both these roles. Yeah. Um, and I did not realize they were they were the same actor when I was a kid. Like that was something that I found out much later. I, I I agree. I think as a kid, I don't think I I made that connection. Yeah, you know the fucking in the in the Peter Pan play, like you know, like Captain Hook and the dad are also supposed to be played by the same actor. The only thing I'll mention about Sam is that I I do like that he showed appreciation to Alan when he did finally send up to his bully, even though the circumstances were really bad. And then he fucked up as a dad yeah. by sending his kid out to the wolves. Yeah. And he understood that he, he fucked up, but cause he's an old timey barrel chested, uh, capitalist. Uh, he, uh, he couldn't bring himself to apologize. He just said like, Oh, you know, if I knew I wouldn't have, I would have done it differently. Yeah. Just, just is, put all that, just channel, channel all that shame into being mean to your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how that's how they did it back back in those days. It was a, it was it was a it was a simpler time. It was a better time. Uh, but but I do like that he uh, that he, like he had just like a different like thought process with Alan once that came up because he's like, oh well, you 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 did it. I'm re- I'm actually very proud of you, and I think that you should be rewarded by doing this great thing that I think is good. Yeah. Like sending him off to a boarding school was supposed to be a reward for him finally becoming a man, and I don't love the um, the results, and I kind of prefer what ends up happening in the film. But I was fine. I did find it kind of like uh, he loves him in his own way type of deal. Yeah, this is definitely a a time in history where like, especially him being this like you know big well to do whatever. Like you're not gonna know what your child actually wants all you're thinking about is what you think would be good for them tra la la and it them the idea that they wouldn't like what you think would be good or whatever is so like how dare you this is i this is all i cared about this is all you should care about and it's very yeah and you know i i do find it sweet at the end when they reconcile and even when you know alan admits that he is the one who ruined the conveyor belt thingy that he's just like thank you for being honest and thank you for for telling me like yeah it's it's a it's a nice moment it it does show that like yes he is in the end a good guy in his own way i i want us to move on but i do want to uh just point out uh that the young alan was adam han bird who i don't know anything about really uh he's supposedly still active but Sarah, yeah, young, young Sarah, Sarah, played by Laura Bell Bundy, who, uh, outside of Kirsten Dunst, um, and the fact that you know Robin Williams is dead, and uh, might be the most successful person out of this film. You know, it's so funny because I mean I know her the most from like like musicals. Like she was um, the original Elle Woods in the Broadway musical version of Legally Blonde, and that's kind of like where she became like pretty pretty like broadway famous i do find it very funny because like looking at her she's like because i do not recognize her at all and i'm like ooh, that is a different nose but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um 
it, yeah, it is interesting to be like, well, yeah, I feel like the the women are are really, you know, taking taking the the reins as far as stuff that they do after this movie. Sure. Yeah. Um. She's uh done. She's she's active everywhere. Like she's still doing movies. She's still doing Broadway right now. Apparently, still producing music. Like she just released an album last year. Like she's got a lot going on. Yeah. Um. This actually would be considered like probably a very um seminal part of her journey as a performer um and i've never heard her name associated with this movie ever yeah i had no idea it was not until watching it this time and looking on imdb that i realized that was her i had no idea before we leave characters shout out carol Parrish, alan's mom played by patricia Clarkson. she clearly was only there for the day but make that money, girl. Yeah, yeah. I did not recognize her at all. Oh, I definitely uh, did. But I love, I love Patricia Clarkson. I, I um, will say it's very funny though, because like you know when Alan comes back and he goes into his room and he's looking at the picture of his parents, and it's clearly them in the outfits that they're in when they leave for the party like that day. Like obviously, like yeah. the, the director or whatever, like the AD is like, okay, stand here so we can take like a a picture of you and it's so funny because it's like it's clearly like just that day and it's like does this mean that this is like the only outfits they ever wear out or that like after he was gone they took like a picture of themselves and then put it in his bedroom (laughs) it's like so you'll always remember us uh uh, i did forget to talk a bit more about david allen greer um so i do want to Go there, and you know he plays Carl, who is the shoe guy who becomes the cop. I, I just want to. Here's my concern, and then we can move on here, because uh, David Linger is fine. Like he's, he's not, there's nothing to write home about, and uh, doesn't nothing I wanted. David Alan Greer energy in this film because I think it should be a bit darker f- for that sort of comedy that he tends to be famous for. Um, but. Uh, I, much like Robin Williams, I kind of feel like they got this guy who's known for a certain type of performance, and they don't utilize him to the full extent of that. So I even haven't have him there. Um, but the thing I want to ask is like, how the fuck old is Carl in the like when the movie starts, like in the sixties? Yeah, they're they're really playing some black don't crack stuff right in this movie. Like he's like he's a little gray, not very gray, a little gray. It's been twenty six years. And, like, he's still, like, just, I don't know, like, how long has he been a cop? He's been a cop this whole time? Why is he still, like, the guy driving around patrol cars? Well, I mean, who knows when he got into the old yeah, cop business. Yeah, the movie does not tell us anything about what happens to Carl in those 26 years. He just shows up as a cop, presumably because that would be the role that would make most sense for him to appear in the movie as often as he does. Yeah. Because, yeah, otherwise it's like, why are you always around? They, they also do not give, actually give us the sequence where Alan and Carl actually talk about what happened. Where Alan basically frames Carl and it ruins his life. That is true. They do not get to that. Like, I... they like they start talking about it, but then the car stops, and then we cut away to another scene, and we come back, they probably already have settled it. And also, like, in, in relate to that, well, I have two things about that. One, the shoe that he makes... Which is just That's like so fucking crazy. It's so stupid. It's clearly like 
a 1990s shoe that he presents to him and it's like this is gonna change footwear it's like you wouldn't that wouldn't be the shoe you designed. <laughs> like, it's like... It's... I think that was done on purpose. I think they're trying to be funny. I think it's one of the examples of the tonal whiplash here. Yeah, it, it's it's dumb. And it doesn't... It just... Yeah, it doesn't fit. And also, why is he not... Uh, why is he not there in that new future? Like, what, like once, once they, you know, go through life again and they're at the Christmas party? Oh, no, he is. Where, oh, where was he? He in the in the fucking background. They don't talk to him, but he's in the background playing guitar. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, fine. But like, so I guess because it clearly it seems very clear that this is the shoe company Christmas party. Sure. And the fact that he's there, even though they don't talk to him, we don't find out what happens. It seems likely that he never lost his job, or at least got rehired immediately, and has been with the company ever since. But like, I they don't talk about it at all. We don't know what his role in the company is. If he's still with the company after all this time, you think he actually he could be fucking CEO for all we know. Right. Okay. I I did not notice him before, and so I was just like, "Where is? He? How dare you?" Okay. At least. Yeah. No. You know, he he's there. He this they just, but he's literally in the background with all of the extras for the day. Cool. 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 I don't think there's any like specific music I wanted to go over. I'm not sure who does the music. Oh, this this, this is not really. I don't know who plays like the homeless guy, but it's like, man, that's a boy howdy, freaking Branford, New Hampshire. Even their hobos are super classy. Yeah, that was the classiest homeless person I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> yeah, just ridiculous. Except except maybe Lawrence Fishburne in the John Wick movies. It's like, guy, yeah, he's got the fireplace going. I half expected to him to ask if he wa- if he wanted some sherry like really really leaving living a, a nice cozy life in that factory would you would you and your friends like to stay for tea jeeves got that nice pipe haven't like got a, a, a cozy dog bed for his dog just living just, just having a good time uh oh, oh new hampshire all right so ariel what would you give Jumanji. A thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs somewhere in the middle. Yeah, thumbs down. I'm not feeling it. Yeah. I I'm actually a little on the fence here. Cause like I feel like this movie's not good, but it's also kind of uneventful. So I kind of feel like I could justify giving it a thumbs in the middle. Because it's could it's very just meh. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think I will. I think I'm going to give it a low thumbs in the middle because like as cuz this movie didn't offend me. It didn't bother me. That's it just fair. didn't do anything for me at all. Yeah. I was upset by the fact that it could have been a really good and chilling movie and instead it was all over the place, but I didn't watch this and go like, "Wow, what a bad movie." There's been movies that we've watched that revisiting was not fun. And hard to get through. That is that is very fair. I think maybe yeah. I guess this is more of a middle, more of a because it is more of a myth than anything. It's not upsetting. Yeah, this is this is a wet fart. So Although it's not... I gotta say, I'm gonna leave a very bad Yelp review at this rainforest cafe because they are going too far. <laughs> yeah, you know, the kitchen was full of monkeys. It was just it was disgusting. The amount of crocodiles. I could see one. I can understand one in the quarter. But there are so many crocodiles in this restaurant. I just, I just can't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And quite frankly, I hate that my wife uh, was killed by a plant. And uh, I'm just going to have to give them zero stars. 
I did enjoy. Will not dine here again. <laughs> did enjoy the asthmatic rhino. Make sure to incorporate more of those in your establishments. Oh yeah, the rhinos were great. <laughs> They're great. I mean, like if my wife had survived, it would have been. She, she would have loved to see it. <laughs> She would have loved it. She would have loved it if she, if she made it past the entree. So that's going to do it for us this week. Next time, uh, we are going back to anime for the first time in some time. I mentioned when we did Rama One Half, that was one of the most important animes to the development of me as an anime fan. Uh, I would say that the one we're going to watch next week is The Codifier. Like, this is what. I to me this show is what made me say like yeah I'm I'm just gonna make this whole my, my whole personality like for like yeah. the next like four or five years, um, and that is Trigun. Ooh. I got a lot to say about it, and I might even talk a little bit about uh, a, a former establishment in Ann Arbor called WYSIWYGS. Aww. Um, but I'm going to send out a warning to anyone uh, listening to this now: if you are the type of person that likes to watch this stuff before our episodes just to get a sense of it i would say this this is the this is the one to do it because if you can go into trigun without knowing anything about it that is the best way to watch trigun just not knowing any of the details just take a look don't even read the description you can find it on hulu so if you have hulu you have the ability to watch it i would just suggest you go ahead and watch it i'm not going to say anything about it today and i'll probably give it a second warning at the top of the next episode but I went into this blind, and I think if I had gone any other way, I think it would have uh, not been as good an um, experience for me. You know what? That's it. It's an interesting way to put it, because uh, FM, he said that he's not, he didn't particularly care for Trigun, and I wonder if he had heard too much, like heard stuff about it ahead of time, and maybe that colored things. Maybe. Also, it depends on when he watched it, too. Mm, that's Because, fair. like... Trigun is not Cowboy Bebop in terms of holding up. Mm. Like, Cowboy, even though they're, they're kind of contemporaries of each other, but Cowboy Bebop l- still looks pretty amazing. Trigun looks kind of not great, <laughs> like, looking at it in modern lenses. So if he watched it any other time besides, like, when he was, like, 14, he, I can understand him not wanting to give it a chance. Oh, it's important to note, there is a new Trigun um, cartoon that has been playing this past year we're not going to watch that 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 is a uh retelling of the of the same story but it's pretty different Mm. we'll we'll talk a little bit about it but uh we're we're sticking with the one from the 90s Mm. all right cool um so i think that is gonna do it for us then so uh we're going to to get going but you know our theme song is Sell Out by Zombie Apocalypse Now from the EP Forbidden Tales of Science. You can find that and more at antizombierock.bandcamp.com. Now, uh, Ariel, uh, so Jumanji was a game about the jungle, and Zathura was a game about going to space. What do you think should have been the third game in this trilogy of horror games? I mean, it's got to be like a, like a deep sea one, right? Oh, what's a good name for uh, ooh, Atlanta? No, Atlanta is a city. This is a great name of Atlanta. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to go see if we can find this this game and and 
and hope beyond hope that it's actually is called Atlanta. <laughs> uh, but until we can find it, as always, please do not put a dirty sock in your younger somebody's mouth. Yeah. Jumanji into Mount Doom. It's the only way to destroy it. I don't want to. I kind of want to see that. I want to see that. <laughs> Where's that cut? Where's that cut? Oh man, I like is. Are they doing anything? Those guys don't seem that. Those guys don't seem that busy these days. Yeah, let's 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 do let's do the Lord of Jumanji uh, trilogy. Let's let's make that happen. Better than the Hobbit. <laughs>